be. Luke chapter 8, um, and we're going to begin in verse 40, and we're going to read down to uh, verse 56. Just to give you some context here, this um, it is, it's actually the same way, set up in a very similar way. Excuse me, uh, set up in a very similar way in the book of Matt. Uh, excuse me, the book of Mark, as well as in the book of. Excuse me, my tears here just got me all messed up. I gotta see. I can't see nothing. Um, but it's set up in the same way in the book of Mark as it is here in the book of Luke. So if you wanted a parallel passage, you can go over to Mark chapter five, and it's a very similar story, similar in lots of respects. Uh, I just like this one here for the purposes I'm trying to preach this morning. But in both cases, what happens is Jesus, it starts off with him uh, feeding uh, a large number of people. I think it's 5,000 people he's feeding. And then they get out on the sea, and he calms a storm. And then he goes over and he heals, or rather uh, takes the demon out of a man who's possessed of a demon. And then these stories show up. So what, what ends up happening is this arc of, of, of a message that both uh, Mark and Luke are, are getting across, and that is that Jesus has power over nature. I mean, he can make food out of nothing, practically. He can calm a storm. He's got power over the demon, the demon's worlds. He's got power over the spiritual world. He's able to take a demon and say, you go over there and do what I tell you, and he'll listen. And in the passage we're about to read, he now has is showing he has even power over over life and death. He's got all power. I mean, that's if you get nothing else from anything else I've said, you need to hear, he has all power. And these uh, stories, these uh, accounts, I think illustrate that very, very well. So I'm going to begin in Luke chapter 8 and verse 40. And we're going to read all the way down to, I think it's the end of the chapter. You have verse 56 all the way at the end of the chapter. And if you're able to stand, I'd encourage you to do so this morning as we read the Lord's words. We're going to stand for the reading of, his, of the scripture, and uh, we're just going to listen to what our Savior has to say to us in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40, we'll read down to verse 56. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had, only one, had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman, having an issue of blood, 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And, the, and Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and, thou, and sayest thou, who, touchest, who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling Falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, The daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. 
And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, Weep not. She is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all out and took her by their hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should, know, should tell no man what was done. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to ask for your help this morning as I try to deliver this message to these people who I believe are in need of this message. Lord, I know I'm in need of it. I pray that we'll be reminded that you are the only hope. You're the only one who can fix us. You're the only help that we need. You're the only help that we have. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. This, uh, this past week, Jude came to me and he asked for some help on something. He wanted me to fix a video game up in our spare bedroom. He, the bedroom where the boys usually stay when they come in. That's where they stay and there's a TV in there, and he wanted the video game hooked up to the TV. It was a pretty simple request, but y'all can shoot me later, but I'm a bad daddy, and I'm in a bad mood a lot of times. And uh, he could tell. I wasn't outright mean about it, but I'm sure he could tell. I wasn't really ready to do that. I just didn't want to do it. I just wasn't feeling like I could do it. I wasn't thrilled running those cords and switching all those settings around, doing all that stuff. And Jude knows who I am. He, he lives with me. He knows what kind of person I am. And um, this was not the first time I've done this. I'm confessing my sins to y'all, so maybe I'll straighten up one of these days. It's not the first time I've done this. But, um, and so he knew. He knew what he was getting into when he was going to ask me for this, including dealing with his grumpy daddy. But um, he asked me anyway. He said, Daddy, would you do this for me? And he did that knowing full well that I was probably not going to be happy about it, knowing I was going to be sour, like I shouldn't have been. I'm not saying I was right. I'm just telling you that's the way I would have done. He, he knew that. But he came to me and he asked me that, including dealing with my foolishness, because he knew I'd know how to fix the thing. He knew I could do it. He knew I was the one that could fix the problem. And he was willing to do, pretty much put up with anything in order to get the problem fixed. In this passage, we're introduced to two situations. You've got Jairus and his daughter, and then this woman with an issue of blood. And both of them have situations that they needed fixed. And they were willing to do just about anything, put up with just about anything, to get those problems fixed. So they went to the only one, the only person who could actually fix them, and that was Jesus. See, this is what Jesus does, and this, this, is, this, is the, this is the gist of my sermon to you. This is what Jesus does, is he fixes broken things. You could take the broken things to him, and he will put them back together again. This is what he does. He takes broken people, he takes broken situations, and he fixes them. And when he fixes them, he fixes them immediately, he fixes them miraculously, and he fixes them completely. This is what Jesus does. 
Because Jesus can fix broken people. And I would argue this morning, while you may not think you're broken, I want you to go ahead and hear me loud. Every one of you is broken this morning. And because you're, you're broken and Jesus is the one who fixes broken people, I want to encourage you from this passage, first of all, to turn to him when you feel like you're all by yourself. When you feel like you're all alone and you don't know what to do and you can't do it, you don't have anybody to help your situation, I want you to know that you can turn to Jesus when you're all alone. If you go with me to verse 41 in our text, you see that Jairus is in pretty good, he's in a pretty big trouble. He's, a, he's somebody that comes in there, he's a, he falls down at Jesus' feet and he beseeches or besought Jesus so that he would come to his house. Now, one of the things you need to know about Jairus was he was a ruler of the synagogue. It says that in the passage there. And that, that essentially means he was kind of a big deal down at the, down at the church house. That's kind of what that means. He was probably somebody who would have ordered the, the order of service, probably would have taken care of things. If something needed to be done, you went to Jairus at, at the synagogue. You went to Jairus, and he would take care of it. There's some people at our church like that here. If you want to get something done, you know who they are. I'm not going to name their names because I don't want to give them any more business than they already have. But you know who those people are. They're those kind of people. And they, every church has them. Every gathering of people has them. You go to them, they're going to get stuff done. That's who Jarius was. But here at this point, he's used to getting stuff done, but he's got a problem he can't fix. He's got a problem he can't call somebody to get it fixed. He can't even figure out what to do about this problem. So he does the one thing that he can do. He has no one else to turn to. And what does he do in verse 41? He falls down at Jesus' feet. He's weeping and begging and pleading, please, Jesus, there's nobody else that can fix this except for you. So he gets what he's asking for. Mark more clearly says that this than, than Luke does, but it's very clear that Jesus does go with them. They're on their way. They're on their way to go to Jairus' house. But it's funny, I always wonder why, and I went to try to study all the different, in each of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, this story shows up. And in each of the three situations, this woman shows up in the middle of this situation. It's like, why is she in the middle of this? But as they're going, they hit another trouble spot. Verse 43. And a woman having an issue of, a blood, uh, issue of blood 12 years, which spent all of her living upon position, could neither be healed of any, came behind him. And of course we understand she touches his garment. So they're going, they're, if you could imagine, you know, Jesus got all these people uh, thronged around him, this big crowd of people around him, and he's trying to make his way to the crowd. And it's like, Jairus, now you go down here, how do you, how do you get to your house? I'm trying to get to Jairus' house. That's, that's his mission. He's trying to help this little girl, which is, we understand she is on her deathbed. She is sick and she is dying. We need to get there. You could imagine, it's almost like an emergency. She's going to die. We don't know what's going to happen. We've got to get there before she's dead. And then immediately as they're going, they run into this other woman, and she is... This issue of blood would have made her unclean. We're talking about maybe even physically unclean, but definitely ceremonially unclean. This would have been an issue within, the, within the, uh, uh, the synagogue. She would have probably not been able to go and worship on a regular basis because of this. And she's desperately sick. Don't know exactly what this issue of blood was, but it was something where it says that the blood stopped, the bleeding stopped whenever she touched the Lord Jesus. So it was something where she had a, a profuse bleeding and she was really in, in, a, in, a, in trouble. And she tried everything. She went to all kinds of doctors. Because she went to every one of these doctors and none of them could help her. She's tried everything and now there's no mention of anybody else around her. In fact, she's hiding 
from the Lord in doing this because she's probably a little embarrassed about the problem and nobody wants to be around her. I don't know. She may or may not have had a husband. We don't know. We're speculating. But if, if she did, he's not in the, in the picture. He may have well have abandoned her. But the point is, as best as I can tell, this woman is alone. There's nobody in the world that wants to be around her. In verse 44, she comes up behind Jesus and touches the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood was stanched. It was stopped right there. It was stopped immediately by touching her, by touching him. She's reaching out to Jesus. She's reaching out to him when she had nobody else. But don't miss the fact that here's Jesus. You read the verses, what is it, 40 and 41? There are people all around Jesus. There are people just probably chanting his name. There are people that want to be near him and next to him. Jesus is, has these throngs of adoring crowds. But do you know what Jesus is doing? He's making himself available to Jairus, who has nobody else to go to, to this woman with an issue of blood who has nobody else to help her. She's, he's making himself available to her. I want you to know that if you look for Jesus, he's going to be there. You're going to have some friends in your life, they may call them good time friends, that when things go a little south, they're, not, you're not going, they're going to stop calling you. They're not going to talk to you anymore. The other thing that, that scares me, and some of you may not, maybe, maybe you're past this, maybe you're not, but I, I get a little frightened by it. I, I know that time can take away some of the best things that we have. You take enough time, and it takes some of the best friends you have, some of the best people that you have, you, some of the best things that are available to you, time can take those things away. And even some of the most well-meaning friends and family, people that really genuinely love you, in the middle of some of your circumstances, you can't turn to them because they aren't the people that can help. Maybe you'll turn to them, but they just can't help you. And, and, and there may be only a handful of y'all that have ever been there where you're just at a spot where you are so absolutely alone. But Jesus is that friend that sticks closer than a brother, Proverbs says. What Jesus does is he puts broken people back together. He takes people who have it all together, like Jarius. I think Jarius is an example of somebody who's kind of got his life put together. He's kind of buttoned up. He's an he's a important figure in the community. He helps people like that who have a lot of friends and a lot of resources but can't rely on those friends and those resources. They need something that's bigger than that. He helps those kind of people. He helps people that are absolutely falling apart. That woman, this issue of blood, she's just falling apart. There's just no answer for her. She's, she's been trying for years to get it together and she can't, but Jesus helps them. She's tapped out every other resource available to her, but she turns to him. And what you can do, I want you to hear this, if you are feeling alone or lonely or as if there's no one that can help you, I want you to know that you can turn to Jesus Christ. He's the one who can help you, will help you in your circumstances. Go back to verse 42 if you don't mind. Jairus is talking about his daughter. She's 12 years old, 12-year-old little girl. It says there that she lay a-dying. Now, we know, if you were listening to the story as I read it, she does ultimately die. But at this point in the story, as far as Jairus knows, she's sick. Furthermore, we got a woman who's got an issue of blood. She wasn't dying, but she felt, probably felt like she was dying. Uh, she had continual bleeding. 
Some of you, if you've ever had lost a lot of blood, you know it saps your strength. You just don't have any strength. You just, you, you just feel like you're about to, about to die. Uh, Vanessa's had some of those problems in the past where just sort of she felt like she was about to die. That's what she kept talking about. And I can't completely sympathize with it, not the physical part of it, but, but if you've been there, you know that, that feeling like you're just about, about to fall over dead. And that's how I think she felt. She felt she was so weak and felt like she was dying so much, she couldn't even get Jesus' attention. It says in verse 44, she comes up behind him. Could you imagine if you had this kind of a problem and you thought Jesus could fix it, what would you do? I would do what Jairus did. I'd come down and get in front of him, fall on my, on my feet, I mean on my knees at his feet, and say, please help me. I'm sure this woman wanted to do that, but she felt like she was dying. She couldn't even barely get up to him. She's sneaking up behind him, basically, and touching him on the, on the shoulder. But it's further, don't, don't miss this, that in, in, in verse 44, she touched the border of his garment. Uh, the, the thought is that he would have had some kind of a longer garment on. It would have had maybe tassels around the bottom of it. That's probably what was going on. That she, probably grabbed a, she probably grabbed hold of those tassels. Now, now where you got to be in order to grab a hold of a man's bottom of his, of his pant leg? Where you got to be? You got to be on the ground. Here's a woman probably is not even able to, she may have stumbled, she may have been passing out, I don't know, or she may have been laying there for all we know, that's where she was, but she is at the bottom. She's, she, is, she is laying on the ground practically. And what does she do? She doesn't grab a hold of it. It's kind of like a, you know, if, if I was really anxious to get a hold of something, I would get a hold of it and I wouldn't let go. Just get on to that, get on to that, hold on to it hard. But what does she do? Go back to that verse here in verse, um, in, in verse uh, 44. She touched the border of his garment. She's not even able to grab hold of it. And I'm telling you this because here's a woman who doesn't have any strength in her. Jarius' daughter has no strength in her. She is sick. She would have come. If she could have come, I'm sure daddy would have brought her. But she couldn't come. This woman has no strength in her. She has no power in her. She doesn't know what to do. But, as the choir sang this morning, just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Because the minute that Jairus goes to him and says, listen, my daughter's sick, and she's going to be dying, Jesus is on his way. If you don't believe me, if you don't see it here in this passage, you can go to Mark chapter 5 and verse 24, and it says, on his way. He's on his way. That's what he's doing. He is on his way. Just a little talk with Jesus made it all right for this woman. All she had to do was touch him. All she had to do was touch him. All she had to do. And when, he, when she did that, you go to verses 45 and 46, he acknowledges her. I'll tell you that if you feel like heaven is brass, if you feel like the Lord's not hearing your prayer, if you just feel like you can't get through, I, I will promise you, if you'll just talk to him a little bit, it may take, it may take a few weeks. I don't know how long it's going to take, but you talk to him, he will hear you. He will respond. He doesn't let you go on. And even in fact, he even gives her in verse 47, he gives her an opportunity to testify. Just that little talk with Jesus, just that little connection with Jesus. That's what we need when we're hurting, when we're sick, when we're down, when we're physically at our bottom end. He says that he fixes broken people, those people who are dying. Do you know that he fixes people like that? Or feel like they're dying because of physical pain, physical suffering? Some of y'all have been there. You've been in that position where you were laying face up 
and you didn't know what was going to happen next because of what the doctors were telling you. You didn't know exactly how this thing was going to end up. You might have been hurting, and you know, you can testify that when you've called out to the Lord that you are sitting here in your right mind today because of the healing hand of God. Some of you can testify to that. And I will tell you that it will happen again. We, the, my family sings a song, and he'll do it again. He'll do it again. He will do that again. He does do that. There's others of you that may not be physically dying, but you may feel like you're dying emotionally or spiritually or other ways suffering in your soul and in your spirit. And I want you to know that he helps that kind of pain too. You just need to have a little talk with Jesus and he'll make it right. You just need to call out to him. You need to touch his him of his garment. You need to get a hold of him. And when you do that, when you turn to him when you're hurting, you need to turn to him when you're hurting. As they're going along, I want you to go down to, down to verse, um, uh, verse 49, excuse me, verse 49. They're going along, some really bad news comes. He says there that the, some people came from the, the Jairus' house, and they tell him, listen, your daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. I, I can't imagine any worse news, really. I can't. I mean, it was bad enough his daughter was sick. I can't, I mean, a 12-year-old little girl? I mean, come on. You got you to gotta feel for him. That's got to hurt. She's sick, and he's, he's doing everything he can. He's turned probably, I can imagine he probably had a little bit of wealth. He probably tried to do what he could with what he could, and he was trying to, trying to save this little girl. And then they just hit him like a ton of bricks. Your daughter's dead. Trouble not the master. They're just being respectful for Jesus. They knew he was a busy man. If she's already dead, why bother him and bring him to the house? She's already dead. I mean, what, what are you going to do? It's over with. In fact, if you go down to verse 52, you, when they come in, they're all weeping and bewailed her. They all wept and bewailed her. I mean, this, this household is on full-on mourning. I mean, they were doing this in that sort of traditional Middle East style where they were raising their voice. They were probably tearing at their clothes. They were absolutely in mourning over this little girl. And maybe we don't do it that exact way in this, in this culture, but that feeling in our heart when we lose somebody, that, that's, that's the same feeling that we have. And that's what, they're, that's what they're experiencing. But Jesus is not, he is undeterred by this turn of events. Look what he does in verse, uh, verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, so he obviously is there, and they're talking to him, says, don't bother him anymore. He, she's, she's dead, just don't bother him. He hears that, and he answers him saying, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. He's prophesying. Here's what Jesus is doing. He's telling this is what's about to happen. He's prophesying to them. He's saying, I've got a plan of action. This, yes, she is dead. I understand that. Jesus is not stupid here. He is not ignorant. He's not misheard anybody. He knows what happens. He knows what has gone on. But he says, listen, I've got a plan. I'm prophesying here. I'm telling you what's going to happen. And in fact, in verse 52, he says, don't worry, she's not dead, she's only sleeping, is what he says. Of course, they, they mock him for that. They, they don't even believe that. And, and I want to tell you, as, as, I, as, I, as I tell you this to you, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. Not really. You, 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 could, you went to Sunday school so you could answer the question because you know the answer to the question. But 
you're not going to really believe this in your heart. One of these days, when you die, Jesus is going to get you out of the grave. That loved one that you lost, that you missed so bad, one of these days, he's going to get them out of the grave. Again, I, I recognize that we believe that. Don't get me wrong. I know we believe that. These people believed in resurrection too. But it's hard to believe when you're in the middle of it right now because you're missing that person or if you're on looking at death's door and you're like, I'm scared of it and I, I, I'm right there with you. Me too. I'm not interested in going, going anywhere right now. I'm telling you, I'm scared of it. I mean, let's, let's, let's just say it for what it is and maybe y'all aren't, but I am. I don't want to die. I'm not interested in it because I don't believe, not the way I should, what Jesus has said here, which is, I'm going to bring you back to life. And, and, and these people don't believe. They're actually mocking Jesus. They, what are you talking about? She's not sleeping. She's dead. What are you talking about? But he knows what he's going to do. And he works a miracle. He says to the woman in verse 4, the little girl, he says, made arise. And, of course, the people are amazed by that. They're astonished in verse 56. I would be amazed too. The reason that they're amazed is because it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that someone who's dead is going to come back to life. This whole series that we're doing on Sunday mornings is about resurrections, and it's easy to think about those resurrections as something that happened a long time ago. Those are old Bible stories. Those are old things. Those are all interesting. I like what they, what they have to say, but it doesn't really apply to me. But I need you to know that Jesus fixes broken people. When you're at that point when it's all over, you have lost everything. Some of y'all, if you're not there yet, believe me, the way this economy goes ups and downs all over the place, we're going to be there. One of us, or at least a lot of us, are going to be there. They may even, if, if I believe what's going to happen with um, the way that they, they, uh, they want to treat Christians, people who name the name of Christ, they may find a way, especially some of these guys get elected, they may find a way to take it away from Christians, take their financial well-being you're going to be at the end of all your things, and I want you to know that all of your stuff, whether they take it or not, whether you lose it or not, whether you spend it or not, everything you've got is going to rot. But his treasure will never fade. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. There's going to come a time where you die. We don't like to talk about that. I know some people that they avoid the subject altogether. And I understand why. I'm not, not belittling you for doing that. I understand it. But we need to understand. We need to kind of come to grips with our own mortality. Some of y'all maybe more than others of us because of sickness or because, of, uh, because of, uh, of your age or any other number of things. But we've got to realize that there's going to come a point. The Bible even says it is appointed unto man once to die. Unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes back in the clouds while we're sitting here in the next little bit, you are going to die. I know, I I know y'all didn't get up early, an hour early even, to come here. somebody saying you're going to die. But that's the truth. That's the reality. You better believe it. But Jesus has promised, this passage is a small reflection of it, but over the arc of Scripture what he has promised is that while we are all going to die from this earth, he is going to resurrect us all. 
in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Why is he going to do that? Because he has the power to do it, for sure, but he has already defeated death. He has already defeated the grave. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, and the, uh, but thanks be to God which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to come a time when it's all over. When it's done, there's no more answers. The doctors don't give you any more hope. You've already checked out. Your family is already grieving. You say, I'm still alive. Why are you grieving? You're, you're going to have all of those thoughts that are coming through your mind. And I need you to hear this very clear, and I hope this resonates with you. When you're in that moment, you'll recall this back to say that, yes, there's going to come a time when I'm going to die, but don't think it's over then, because even then, especially then, you need to turn to Jesus Christ, because he's the one who can fix you when you're broken. Because it don't get no more broke than dead. That's as broken as it gets. When you're dead, you're broke. You're busted. You're over. The only one who can fix that problem is Jesus. That goes for you. That goes for every one of your loved ones that you have grieved on before. That goes for those of us who in this next year we're going to lose people. We don't even know that we're going to lose them. Doesn't that happen? Somebody gets in an accident, somebody gets sick that we weren't prepared for, and that's going to happen. That is going to happen. And that, when that's broke, when that, that broke, let me tell you, I, I hope y'all will give me condolences. We love you. We're sorry for your loss. But I don't need that. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't, I want that. Please give that to me. But that ain't going to bring my loved one back. That's not going to bring me back to life. Do you know what I need? I need Jesus to intervene in that circumstance to fix the problem. I need him to really touch it. I don't need some man, some woman, uh, some preacher to come in and try to fix my problem. That's not going to fix me. Not when I'm on my deathbed. When I'm about to die, I'm about to cross over. I need something more. I need something real. I need somebody who's got power. I need somebody who can fix my problem. And let me tell you, Jesus is that one. He's the one who can fix you when it's all over. He's the one who can fix you when it's broke. You can can satisfy and soothe your mind with so many things. Don't we do this? We have so many things that we deceive ourselves with. Oh, it's all going to be okay. It's all good. It'll work out in the end. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just over. Sometimes it's at the end and there's only one person you better have. You better have a direct line to him. You better know him. You better know him good because he's the only one who's going to fix it. He's the only one who doesn't, he doesn't even care what you think. He doesn't even care what the prognosis is. He says, I will fix this. And he solves it when you're at the end of your rope, when it's all over, you need to turn to Jesus. Jesus fixes broken people. So who are you going to turn to? So why don't you, broken people, turn to my Jesus? Maybe you're all alone in what you're facing. Once you turn to Jesus, he will never leave you. 
Turn to him. His spirit will walk with you and comfort you. Turn to him. He will be there. When you may have said, well, I've done too many things. I've said too many things. I've acted too much this way or that way. He's not going to want me. No, no, no. He, He forgives. Thank the Lord for forgiveness. He forgives. You just go ahead and turn to him when you're by yourself and you have no one else to turn to. You turn to him. Some of y'all this morning are just sick. I mean like physically sick. You've been going to the doctor time and time again. They keep giving you treatments and it ain't, it ain't 100%. We're hoping to get good news, right, Wendy? But we don't know. We, it's, you know, I'm not trying to be, be negative here, but you don't know. But in that moment, what we need, yes, we want a good answer from the doctors, but what we need is we need the Lord Jesus Christ. We need him because he actually cares for us. He actually hears you when you cry. He actually has the power to fix it. They try, as they do, and I'm so grateful for these medicines and things that the doctors try to do, you know, throwing radiation and chemotherapy at cancers and and, and medicines for different ailments and surgeries for different, different problems. I appreciate what they're trying to do, but it's the only one person who can actually fix the problem. When you're sick and you're tired and you're hurting, there's some of you that are emotionally hurting. I've already talked about this, but I need to re- underscore this. Some of you, you're at the bottom. You don't, know, you don't even know what else to do. You, you tried everything you can, but just nobody understands it. And definitely nobody can fix it. It's a tangled up, gnarly, ugly mess, and nobody can fix it. I need you to know that the only one who you can turn to, the only one who hears you, the only one who will fix it is my Savior, Jesus Christ. You need to turn to him. And at the risk of repeating myself, I need you to know when it's all over, you need to turn to Jesus. He's defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's actually prepared a place for us where we'll never grow old. There's death on this side. It's never going to die over there. We're going to get reunited with some loved ones that we've lost, that we miss, that I know that still hurts your heart. When you get reunited with them, if they're a believer and they're in heaven, and I believe the ones that I'm thinking about right now are believers, and you get to see them, you'll never grow old. That'll be the last funeral you'll ever have to attend. Won't that be awesome? Because he's defeated death, hell, and the grave. You'll never be sick or needy. Some of y'all have to go to the doctor way more than you. You probably know the doctors better than you do your own family because you get to see them so much. He's prepared a place where you never have to be sick and you'll never be needy again. You'll have everything taken care of. He's prepared that. And some of y'all on this side of this, on this side of earth, maybe whether you have a lot of friends or don't have a lot of friends, but you have that alone feeling a lot more than you like to admit. But he's prepared a place for us where we get to spend eternity with him. We get him forever and ever and ever and ever. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Jesus says, believe also in me. He says that he goes to prepare a place for you. He says that he will come again and he will receive us unto himself that where he is, we can be also. He will help you. He will. Just call on him. Just fall at his feet and say, help me. (laughs) 
help me. He'll help you. Believe him. Trust him. He's the one that fixes broken people. Would you come to Jesus this morning?